Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quantum Heart Cafe, a show where I talk about uh, books and topics um, and subject matter that uh, I'm interested in and, uh, and that is related to current events going on in the wider world, but they're the type of current events that aren't really being uh, talked about by, um, you know, people. The, the mainstream media or even the alt media um and there are topics of like technology especially the rollout of web3 and all these other new technologies that people aren't really uh talking about but it's really important to have these discussions and as well as sharing my love of uh, psychology and spirituality and just other topics and, and perspectives and subject matter that I feel are important. And so it's taking all of that and then uh, putting it into the heart of a cafe. Because, you know, cafes are places where um, people go and have discussions and talk about things and discuss. Or it could be uh, like one of the reasons why I love going to coffee shops is I could take a book and read and, and do my some writing and enjoy a chai latte. I'm starting to get away from drinking coffee all the time, but um, yeah, so it's just kind of taking those sorts of things like the the spirit and feel of a coffee shop and then the kind of the spirit the spirit and feel of uh, reading books and having discussions about books and then relating them to uh, kind of current events and real life situations and putting that into a podcast. <laughs> so that's what the Quantum Heart Cafe is about. And ultimately, I'm hoping that uh, listeners will come away with something uh, that will be of interest or something that's useful or just encouraging you to explore and read the books that I talk about for yourself and become interested in these uh, topics as well. So thank you so much for stopping by the cafe and if you enjoy what you're listening to, please consider uh, subscribing and uh, and sharing this with others. Uh, and then so uh, without further ado, let's begin today's show. I know it's. I've been a stranger for the last little while. Um, towards the end of last year, I was in school for uh, my electrical level three, and it took me. It, uh, I had such a heavy workload and so much to do uh, during that class that I just wasn't able to keep up with uh, the show. I think I did maybe one one show in the last like couple of months and I, I'm sorry about that I meant I've been meaning to get back to uh doing regular shows once a week and now that school's over for the time being I, I definitely feel like that's um something I'm going to be focusing on is getting back into that the routine routine and being consistent and with all that being said I hope everyone had a lovely new year's eve and New Year's Day and if you celebrate it a nice Christmas or winter solstice or or maybe you have your own traditions within your family or s different spiritual traditions and regardless of what that is I hope you had a lovely time and I'm excited for 2024 I know it's probably going to be um, an interesting year but when are you know when is it never interesting no two years are ever the same so um and I hope that everyone is, is looking forward to the new year. And I, I know 2023, at least personally, was a pretty tough year uh, for me. Went Learned a lot of stuff. <laughs> Universe, you know, had a lot of lessons for me. Lots of blessings, too. You know, it wasn't all bad. Um, but definitely it was not, you know, it was kind of a, a little turbulent sometimes, you know. Um but even with the challenges, looking back on them, it was almost like, you know, I kind of had to go for, through them for my higher good. So I, sometimes that happens and just kind of have to, been learning to kind of go, go with it. Um, it's much easier to 
to ride the waves than trying to resist them, that's for sure. Um, and tonight, uh, I do have a, a little bit of um, an essay that I wrote, uh, something that I put together the last couple of days of, of 2023 for New Year's Eve. Um, and then after this show, I'm going to continue on with the book that I've been reading, uh, B.F. Skinner's, um, or sorry, Beyond the Box, B.F. Skinner and His Behavior Technology. And I've been meaning to get back to that book, and so I'm going to be putting together a show. Um, I might not do chapter by chapter like I've done with some of the other books. I think I might just focus on, because um, I reached the part of that book where it talks about like token economics and, and that sort of thing. So if you're you know new to the show and you're not sure uh, what I'm talking about, um, before I went away for school, I did a few shows on on the subject of uh, Skinner, uh, Skinner's behaviorism and kind of a, as a lead up to talking about the history of token economics and that it came from uh, psychology, like the, the field of psychology and started with um, a lot of the experiments in behaviorism started with uh, rats and, and pigeons and then eventually, you know, like all these things kind of go this way eventually they you know psychologists and scientists and so on started um doing experiments on uh autism like uh, kids with autism pr prisoners uh so-called delinquents like as a way to create this token economy and the way i, I reason why i started focusing on that is because this podcast is kind of about um talking about current events but not really the current events that um get talked about on the mainstream news or even like the alternative media like they're kind of there's people talking about them but it's kind of like a there's a, a small group but it's also but it's really really important conversations and I hope that uh, my podcast can add to that and and provide uh, listeners with uh, food for thought about some of these technologies that are coming out because it's not just um, AI like pe a lot of people talk about AI and I'm, I'm not saying that that's not um, an important subject to talk about uh, it's just that there's other what's called web 3 it's other there's other web 3 technologies and I, I really do think that they're behavior technologies and one of them is token economics and the reason this is important is because the way we use money now is it's not going to be, you know, we're so, I mean, I know we use like credit cards and debit cards already. Um, and then there's those of us like myself that still use cash. And I think those things will still be in existence in some way, uh, but they're going to work in something that's called token economics. So as part of like UBI or as part of like a, a social a contract or something um, like in an exchange for good behavior you'll receive tokens that you can then like exchange for goods and services but it's a lot deeper than that and so I want to start talking about that on my podcast a bit more just because it's kind of part of it is part of psychology and in my opinion it's kind of the psychology that's going down the wrong the wrong road, you know, the wrong frequencies. So that's what's going to be coming up. Uh, but today I just wanted to focus on um, sharing an essay that I wrote. Um, I shared it with um, one of the pe people in this space that I really respect. And her work is super important. And I, I'll put a link in the description if anyone is interested in because um, her, her blog and um her YouTube channel has a lot of information about some of the stuff I've actually lots of the stuff I talk about because I usually <clears throat> um I you know I've, I listen to her and I follow her work quite closely and that's Allison McDowell and she um is has a blog post called Wrench in the Gears and a web YouTube channel by the same name uh Allison McDowell and she's been working for quite a long time uh, in this space talking about these things and as well as like subjects like 
um, cybernetics and complexity theory and so on. So um, I have I wrote a piece and um, I shared it with Allison. Allison had thoughtfully um, said she'd share it on her blog post, which is really cool. And so I just kind of wanted to talk about what was in the essay um, because recently I just finished reading a book by wonderful children's author Michael Michael Endy. And if you haven't, and you know, it's funny, like children's books, and I do talk about uh, children's books on this show. Um, you know, I talk about all sorts of books, like fiction and nonfiction, and then I relate them to um, <clears throat> current events and what's going on in the world, and just giving my thoughts, because the, there's just something about books, books, and um, there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of really good lessons in books, especially children's books. And maybe the authors know that, so that's why they put all those lessons in children's books, because, like, that and science fiction is, like, the if a couple of the mediums that you can kind of express these thoughts. Um, and so I read, and if you're not familiar with Michael Endy, he wrote a wonderful book, um, which turned into a movie, The Never-Ending Story, and then he also wrote um, a really cool book, called Momo. Beautiful book. And actually, Allison did a read out loud. I'll post that in the link too, if you're interested. Um, she did a read, read out loud for Momo. And so Michael Endy, also the book that I, book of his that I just finished reading is called The Night of Wishes. And I just want to uh, share like a, a synopsis of the book, you know, kind of talk about it. And then kind of give my thoughts because I was thinking a lot about the next coming year and kind of how and Allison did a uh, a discussion on her uh, YouTube channel I think it was the Economist um, maybe the November or December issue that had a really interesting cover page with lots of symbology on it and in her uh, discussions she, she uh, talked about um, some of the symbolism and kind of how there are signals for um, like the the story that this predatory or this you know the system this dominator system that we live in right now um that it's trying to like get us to live in a certain story and it was almost kind of timely because i just read the night of wishes and it took place during new year's eve um and you know <clears throat> i had a lot of thoughts about allison's discussion and about story and frequency, and I thought I would share them with you all tonight. Um, so I'm just going to kind of give a, a an overview first of the book and, and the story, and then I'll offer some of my thoughts, um, you know, food for thought as we move through 2024 and beyond. And um, I usually also uh, like to give a little moment of gratitude before I kind of carry on with my show. And I am just grateful for a fresh start, uh, a new year. I feel like, um, you know, I'm sure 2024 will have its own challenges and tribute, you know, lessons and stuff. But I also feel like there's a lot of blessings coming. And uh, I know that the world is kind of a scary place right now. But I also just want to be grateful for the love, the never-ending love that I feel all the time coming from the creator and and it's just a reminder that there's a bigger there's a bigger story there's another story other than the story of fear and the world coming to an end that the you know the media keeps pumping out all the time and I'm not saying that there aren't bad things happening in the world but what I'm saying is that there's also a, a lot of fear going or flying around right now and um I just want to, I am grateful for the love that helps me stay centered and grounded as we move through this, um, these, these times together. Uh, okay. So now I'm going to begin the book and usually I have coffee, but I'm recording this show in the evening. So if I have a cup of coffee right now, I'm going to be swinging from the, the chandelier, so to speak. So I decided not to, I just, usually I have water or something like that. Um, but if I'm recording during the day, I, I do have enjoy a little bit of coffee. And earlier this today, I, one of my dad got me a really nice 
blend called Mocha Java Coffee. It's really nice, and I've, I've been enjoying it. Um, and, you know, I hope you have your favorite beverage, um, whether it's a coffee, tea, or hot chocolate, any, any of those things, and, and cozy up and get ready for a little bit of a story and just some of my thoughts. All right. Um, so the Night of Wishes begins in the Villa Nightmare, which is located in, in Dead Park. Uh, named so because nothing would grow there anymore. The, the Villa Nightmare was home to a shadow sorcery minister, uh, Bezel, Bezelbub, pre-posterior. And Bezelbub is kind of like Bezelbub. I think there's a character like that in the Bible. I'm not very sure. Maybe if someone's a bit more um, knowledgeable about the Bible, I feel like I've seen that word before. Um, so on pre-posterior's mantle, there was a, the, a pendulum clock. And the pendulum clock uh, was telling me as the reader that it was 5 p.m. Because time is a major theme of the story. And actually a lot of the... What was interesting is that Michael Endy illustrated a lot of the, the chapters with the faces of a clock. Because it was counting down to midnight. Because it, it took place on New Year's Eve. And on this particular New Year's Eve, um, pre-posterior, he was in a rush. Because... He was anxious. He didn't meet his quota of evil deeds for the year. So we, because he got distracted from, or distracted by all the research and um, work he'd been doing throughout the year, that he ended up falling behind. Um, and not long after five p.m., pre-posterior was uh, startled or greeted or a bit of both by one of Hell's. Uh, rep representatives. His name in the story is Mr. Melitis Maggot. I'm so bad with names. I'm sorry, but uh, his name, his last name is Mr. Maggot. So I just kind of went with that. Um, and he became became on the behalf of Free Posteriors' uh, benefactor from down below because Pitch Darkness himself uh, sent Mr. Maggot to remember or to remind Pre Posterior of the contract he signed and the contract's kind of like one of those Faustian deals with the devil where in exchange for, you know, tremendous magical ability, um, the, the folks down below expected pre posterior to carry out several evil tasks throughout the year. Um, some of those included poisoning rivers, you know, causing species to go extinct and manipulating the weather. When I heard that, I wondered if Michael Indy was aware of geoengineering, you know, back then. Because it's amazing how, like, you know, you read some of these child authors and it's just like they saw stuff coming. Like, if you ever read Madeline Ingalls' work, like her time quartet, that reminds me I have to read uh, the fifth book on the show. Uh, there's a lot of material in there that's, like, it's almost like she saw what was coming now with, like, the... Uh, you know, with the cybernetics and everything and, like, the world brain. If you're not familiar with the world brain, like, I, I talked about a book by Michael, or, sorry, um, Oliver L. Reiser called uh, The World Sensorium, and he talks about this, the creation of this world sort of superorganism or world brain. And he was contemporaries of Albert Einstein and all these other people, so... When I say that, it's not science fiction. Like, people have been right. There are, like, a group of people out there that strongly believe that humanity and actually the whole living world is heading towards this, like, gigantic world, the creation of this world embryo. Kind of like a hive mind. So when I say that, I'm, it's actually, it's not my words, it's theirs. So I know it sounds like it's science fiction, but, and I wish it was science fiction, but there's people out there that like really believe this um and so it's amazing like some of the authors that i've read like child children's authors it's like they saw this stuff coming and they put it in their stories so it's pretty interesting um anyway so continued uh, anyway i'm going to continue talking about night of wishes um so with pre-posterior's quota being short that new year's eve mr maggot did you know, remind him that he wasn't holding up his end of the bargain, and if he didn't fulfill his quota by midnight, um, Mr. Maggot would be would be back, and Pre Posterior would 
suffer the consequences. Um, the underworld weren't the only uh, uh, people, or sorry, beings. They weren't the only beings aware of Preposterous evil deeds. So, well, human beings have been were largely oblivious to what Preposteria was up to, but the animals weren't. Um, they weren't entirely sure who was responsible for poisoning their rivers and causing plagues, but they had their suspicions that the root cause was somewhere. So the High Council of Animals sent spies to the four corners of the earth in search of who was responsible for these evil deeds. Uh, they sent a spy to Preposterior's uh, Villa Nightmare, a, a top named Mauricio. And when I read about Mauricio, he was a, a, an interesting cat. I, you know, I quite warmed him. At first I thought he was a bit naive, a little ball of fluff, but... He, he really grew on me on, on the story. He was a really neat cat. Um, and I just really like cats. Um, so they sent, so the animal council sent Mauricio to spy on Preposterior. Um, however, Preposterior, you know, he's not as foolish as, as he may seem. And he became suspicious of the little cat and figured out that Mauricio was sent by the high council of animals. But what he did was instead of getting rid of the cat, he gave Mauricio lots of gifts, lots of catnip, you know, a plenty of couches to scratch, false praise and all this stuff. And Mauricio bought bought it all up and he became lazy and complacent. And so when you when you begin the story he's kind of overweight. He's um you do find I do did find out later, um, that uh, Dr. Mr. Preposterior was drugging Mauricio's food and um, kind of making him complacent with that. So it's kind of, you know, a little bit Mauricio's, Mauricio's fault, but if he's being drugged, then, um, you know, it's not always... When I found that out, I kind of, you know, I felt bad for the little cat because it wasn't entirely his fault that he became complacent. Um so shortly after Mr. Maggot left for the evening, another guest arrived at the Villa Nightmare. A He's a scraggly raven with a bad case of rheumatism called Jacob. <laughs> and you know, Jacob was also a really neat character. I, I like crows. I think they're interesting. And so when he came knocking on Preposterior's window, um, you know, Preposterior wasn't sure why Jacob was there, but Jacob... Uh, explained to him that he's announcing the arrival of pre-posterior's aunt uh, Tyrannia Ramparellia, who uh, and he was just and she's just as vile as her nephew, and she needed to see him. Be and even though Jacob had been uh, working for Tyrannia, he was also a spy sent from the High Council of Animals, and you know he did his best to try and hide that. He was a spy. He was a little more with it than Mauricio in terms of knowing what type of person Tarania was. Um, and try as he as he might, Tarania did find out that he he was also a spy. Um, and like her nephew, she uh, decided to kind of play play ignorant and pretend that she didn't know who he really was. And I got the impression that it was kind of like one of those keep your friends close. And enemies closer type situations. Um, and as uh, and as Jacob and Mauricio became acquainted with one another, uh, Jacob tried explaining that both uh, Preposterior and Tyrannia were behind much of the devastation and pain um, happening in the world. But because Mauricio or Mauricio had received so many like gifts and so much praise from uh, Preposterior, he didn't believe Jacob at first. Like he thought Jacob must have been mistaken. And, um, you know, he thought that Preposterior was a kind and righteous man. So in Mauricio's na na naivete, uh, he didn't see how Preposterior's supposing kindness was a way to keep the High Council of Animals off his trail. Uh, the, and then, so the two animals, throughout the story, or at the beginning of the story, the two animals continued to bicker about, you know, Preposterior's motives, um, 
And then that's when Tyrania arrived to visit her nephew. At first, Pre-Posterior wasn't sure why his aunt had come to visit him in the first place because they hadn't seen each other for quite a long time. And they were naturally suspicious of each other's motives. Um, and then after some attempts at bribery and deception, Tyrania explained that Mr. Maggot also visit her, visited her that day and threatened her with the same fate if they don't if they both didn't fulfill their quotas by the stroke of midnight. Um, Tarania explained that she had one half of a special manuscript that contained a recipe for a potion that might help them, and she believed that Preposterior had the other half of the manuscript hidden somewhere, and she turned out to be right, and the two of them mended the manuscript, uh, which provided a list of ingredients and instructions for making the Oh, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pronounce this. The Satan Arc, Satan Arc, Ideal Alcoholish uh, Notion Potion. That's a mouthful. So I just abbreviated it, the name of the potion down to Notion Potion because it's a little easier to uh, pronounce that rather than that full thing that I just talked about because <laughs> that's quite a mouthful. Um, the Notion Potion is a vial creation and it works on reversal. So what that means is that, you know, whoever makes the potion and drinks it then wishes for everlasting peace in the world will actually have or will actually see an Ola war break out. Um, and then if it, let's say someone was to like bless the animals for and, and wish them good health, then the opposite would happen. There would be a plague. Um, and so with this potion, the evil duo thought that they could fulfill their quota and avoid whatever fate uh, Mr. Maggot and the Prince of Darkness had in store with, for them. Um, and then they thought that between them, because you know, pre, pre posterior is really good with the magic, and then uh, Tarania, she's really rich and has lots of money, so they thought that um, they could brew the potion together and then drink it before the stroke of midnight um, or just at the stroke of midnight sorry and then they would first test the effects of the potion on Jacob and Mauricio and then they would bless the world so it was some sort of a world ending deal but unbeknownst to pre-posterior and Tarania uh, Jacob and Mauricio had hid in a barrel and they overheard the whole plan uh, Jacob was the first to come to terms with what Tarania and her nephew were up to uh, while Mauricio was still kind of in shock because you know it wasn't just the plan that had sent them into shock it was also realizing that you know Jacob was right and he had been duped by someone he thought cared for him um, and while Jacob felt bad for the little cat um, he also knew they didn't have too much time to dwell on it and they had to figure out how to stop pre-posterior and his aunt before the stroke of midnight. And so they, they knew that they had to leave the Villa Nightmare and look for aid. And so that's what they do. That's what they did when pre-posterior and um, Tyrannia were preoccupied with making the notion potion. They were able to slip out of the villa and look for help. Uh, they, they first, at first, they thought about going to the High Council of Animals. But they quickly realized that they didn't have enough time to contact them because they only had until midnight. And by that time in the story, if you know, it was it wasn't five o'clock anymore. I think a couple hours went by. Um, so they they knew they didn't have enough time to contact the council, and they did think about reaching out to animals or to humans. Sorry, but they knew that this would be futile because one of animals ever come to the aid, or sorry, one had whenever. Whenever have humans um, come to the aid of animals, and when I was reading that, I felt a heavy sadness because, um, like I mentioned earlier in the show, I've been reading the book Beyond the Box, um, B.F. Skinner's Technology of Behavior from Laboratory to Life, and you know I, I learned that animals were some of the first groups to be subjected to the behavior modification experiments especially pigeons and rats and 
It made me think about how often animals have been used and abused by science and imperialism in the name of progress. Like another example is, um, you know, scientists irradiated, fed dogs, um, meat contaminated with radiation and poisoned them and decided to see how this would uh, affect the dog's behavior. And to me, that's just a disgusting like I don't understand why they need to do that uh, and that happens a lot and you know I think that the system wishes to capture and index all types of consciousness and ways of being in the world both among humans and other beings that's why a lot of these uh, scientists and these people and institutions and so on are so interested in uh, studying like crows and octopuses and and slime mold cells and ants and stuff because they they want to like not only do they want to um, you know especially with the slime mold and the ants to like mimic that in terms of the hive mind or uh, complex adaptive systems but they're also just interested in other types of consciousness and other ways of being that then they they can mimic in their own cheap knockoff um, world brain or whatever they want to create. Um, and so I also, but, you know, I also reflected not just on the dark, that dark kind of darker aspect, but I also reflected when I was reading on the story, just like how I can be a better relative to animal companions and all beings, actually. You know, I think that we can learn a lot from animals and that they have a lot of wisdom and friendship to offer and guidance and they can be a, a source of inspiration and friendship to help us navigate these tough times. Um, I mean, I don't know if you ever befriended the local birds in your area, but they're pretty, they're quite sweet and they're nice to be around and, um, you know, they're, they're just, really cool or any other animals or species in your area like they're not you know we're all part of we all live together we're all you know as jo the late John Trudeau say we're all beings made up of um the same stuff just arranged a bit differently um so you know there's nothing wrong with uh befriending the local wildlife in your area and learning from them uh, anyway, so Jacob and Mauricio quickly came to realize that it was up to them to find a way, so they decided to walk through the snowy blizzard in search of a solution to stop the ocean potion. And, you know, they spent some time trudging through the snow, and eventually the pair came upon this beautiful cathedral. And it was, and it's the same cathedral whose bells would welcome the new year. And Mauricio thought that if they could ring the bells a few minutes before midnight, they could trick uh, Preposterior and Terrania into drinking the Notion Potion like too early and ruin, ruin their plan. Because I think the Notion Potion had to work or worked or needed to be drunk on this, the stroke of midnight for it to work. So if they said it too, or if they drank it too early, then it wouldn't have... Um, you know, that horrible effect of causing a curse when you said a blessing. Um, this wasn't, and but this was no easy task because the entrance to the cathedral was closed and there was no open windows nearby for the pair to climb through. Uh, Mauricio didn't feel the same way. He wasn't, he was determined to keep going and he wasn't ready to give up. Because he still felt bad about being duped by pre-posterior, and when he first met Jacob, he also lied about who he really was. Uh, Mauricio told Jacob that he came from a long line of proud noble cats, and this turned out to be a lie. Because later in the story, uh, Mauricio confessed that he was an orphan, and he didn't really know who his parents were. Like, he was raised, for, you know, by a really nice older uh kind of matriarch cat but he didn't really know where he came from so he made up this story um to try and impress other people 
And so, and he also told Jacob that his name wasn't really Mauricio, but it was actually Morris. And now Morris was determined to not only tell the truth, but to also use whatever ounce of courage and determination he had to climb the cathedral uh, so he could find an open window and ring the bells. Jacob thought the cat was nuts, though, <laughs> and he uh, convinced himself that Morris would slip and fall in the blizzard. Still, even with his pessimism, though, he remained by his friend's side. He didn't, you know, he didn't fly away or anything like that. He thought, you know, he still thought Jake or Morris was crazy, but he stayed by his cat, his friend's side, as the as Morris climbed all the way up the cathedral, and the brave duel duo eventually did find a window and um that they were able to climb through which actually was the same it was the window that was in the room uh with the controls for the bells i guess they moder modernized the cathedral like you didn't you don't have to actually ring a rope you just had to like in the story it was just a i guess they had buttons now um but once the the animals had climbed through the window because they were so exhausted and cold, um, they ended up falling asleep for a little bit. Uh, and while they were sleeping, they were visited by um, an entity that became aware of them as soon as they started climbing up uh, the cathedral. And his name was Father New Year. And he was kind of, I mean, the cat, the animals kind of mistaken him uh, for Santa Claus, but he wasn't really Santa Claus. But, you know, he's one of those eternal beings that have that has an important kind of role to play and uh he wanted to know what all the fuss was about and he thought that at first he thought the animals were playing a mean joke when they you know wanted to ring the bells early uh but the animals explained what uh tyrannia and preposterior were up to with the notion potion and that by ringing the bells early they could stop the evil plan. So the longer Father New Year listened to the animals, the friendlier he became. And he, you know, he did apologize to the animals uh, for accusing them of doing wrongdoing. Um, and, you know, Father New Year wasn't sure how, at first he wasn't sure how to stop the Notion Potion because he couldn't really ring the bells early. Like, Mauricio did suggest to, the, to him, like, Maybe Father New Year could ring the bells himself and, and ring it a few minutes before midnight, but Father New Year couldn't do that because it would disrupt the order of things. And he was there to make sure that, you know, he, he said he visited this place once a year just to make sure that everything was going um, accordingly, that everything was in its place and, and ready to end the New Year and begin the New Year at the same time. And um, so while Father New Year wasn't able to perform a miracle, and he explained, I thought that was kind of funny, he explained in the story that miracles take need an application process and then they have to be approved by the folks upstairs. Um, and so that, you know, it could take a while. But as he thought about it, you know, he did come, he did figure that he could spare a single note from his New Year's concert. And that this note has the power to cancel the reversal ability of the notion potion, making a blessing a blessing and not a curse. Jacob did ask the father if he could spare more than one note. Um, you know, because ravens are pretty smart. You know, if they, they'll ask to see if, because, you know, it would make sense to see if there's more than one note just in case they lose, lose it or something. But alas, no. Father New Year said that he couldn't spare another one because that would disrupt the order of things. And Jacob also worried about the timing of the bells and if the note would be enough to cancel the reversal effect of the Notion Potion before the bells chimed. Um, and I thought Father New Year's response to this was interesting and thought-provoking. So he said, In eternity, uh, we live beyond space and time. There is no before and after, and cause and effect don't follow one another, but form a permanent unity. That's why I can give you the note now, 
even though it won't sound until midnight, its effects will precede its cause, as is the case with so many of eternity's, eternity's gifts. With all that being said, uh, Father New Year gave the animals the single note, note and it uh, glistened with a radiant light and was encased in a beautiful crystal clear ice cube. All the animals had to do was sneak back into the villa nightmare and throw the note into the notion potion, cancelling the reversal effect. And Morris, ever grateful for Father New Year's help, uh, wondered how they would make it back to the Villa Nightmare in time because they were so far away. They wouldn't. Sh they didn't think that they'd have enough time to climb back down the cathedral and then, you know, run through the snow and get back before uh, midnight. And Father told them not to worry, as they will fly with the bell tone and be back at the villa within a matter of minutes. Uh, they just had to hold on to each other tight. And keep the single note safe. And then back in the villa, um, Tarania and Preposterior were so focused on creating the potion, they never once checked on the animals. <laughs> All manner of strange happenings took place as the notion potion was being made, and one su such happening, which proved to be the evil duo's undoing, was the escape of magical beings like such as imps, elves. Uh, gnomes, etc., from uh, Preposterior's lab, uh, because for some time Preposterior had been capturing these magical creatures and experimenting on them uh, for his own sick pleasure, <laughs> and then he also did that to keep them from figuring out like the evil deeds that he was up to, like to stop them to, from finding out that it was him, because I think the magical creatures. And the High Council of Animals were probably, you know, trying to figure out this stuff together. Um, so with all the dark commotion created by the motion potion, it ended up, I think it was like it shattered the glass cases or cages that these animals or these magical creatures were being um, imprisoned in. And so as soon as they escaped, they began rebelling against Tyrannia and Preposterior. And while the brave creatures didn't defeat the pair, they offered enough distraction for Jacob and Morris to slip back into the Villa Nightmare and throw the note into the Notion Potion without being noticed. And so when Tyrannia and Preposterior found the two animals in the lab with the potion, um, both animals pretended to be ignorant as to what was going on and the evil duo duo were never were none the wiser like they you know they believed them so around the stroke of midnight that's when tyrannia and preposterior began to drink the notion potion and it kind of made them drunk like it was making them a bit tipsy and they ended up you know wishing all manner of blessings onto jacob and morris um themselves and the world but because the single note had been added to the potion, it canceled the reversal effect. So the blessings were actually blessings. And what, what was kind of neat was that, you know, Morris did turn into that beautiful Tom. He envisioned a noble Tom that he envisioned himself to be at the beginning of the story. And then Jacob, um, you know, the, it, he, the blessings uh, healed his rheumatism, which is kind of cool. Uh, and so, you know, Tyrannia and Preposterior only realized too late what was happening. Um, and by that, by then, Jacob and Morris left them alone in the Villa Nightmare to face their fate by Mr. Maggot, because he still came at New Year's to collect his, um, you know, to collect what was owed to Pitch Darkness. And so the story ended with Jacob and Morris kind of getting a, I don't know if it, I think the word is a fresh lease on life. You know, they were in, in good health and they were good friends and they were looking forward to the dawn of a new year. So, you know, as I reflect on the story, it was making me think about like music, frequency, story, and how the system is using uh, frequency as signals to sell us a story, but it's their story. It's a story that involves fear, domination, and 
what Alison McDowell was talking about in her discussion, uh, squaring the circle. And I'll put a link in this description to Alison's talk so you can kind of learn a bit more what I was talking about. But it's kind of like, I think it was kind of similar to taking a, forcing something, like forcing something to fit when it doesn't, like it's imp like the ancients knew that it was impossible to to square a circle, but you know this cybernetic system is focused on trying to do just that, like it's trying to force eternity into a Skinner box, like it's trying to create like this this fake counterfeit world organism and world consciousness. And I don't think that's going to happen because, like, how do you put some, take eternity, like, something that's just infinite and put it into a square? It just doesn't work, but they're going to try. Um, and the story of domination has been going on for many centuries. I've been reading a really um, important book uh, written by Dr. Marimba Ani, and she's an African scholar. Um and it's called Urugu, and she's she talks about how you know when P Plato, or he she talks about how Plato obje objectified the subjective, and he split emotion from logic, and so when that happened, it's kind of like you know the that story of domination really started to get going, and what happened was that logic was placed above emotion. When the two are meant to really be in union, and when logic and emotion are in union, that makes us healthy as individuals and as a community. Um, and the dominator, but the dominator story is still a story, and there's a lot of energy and material that has been invested into this story for a really long time to make it seem true. Um, <clears throat> And the reason I'm saying this is because I think we can choose to live in a different story. You know, I don't think we have to accept the system's apocalypse, its continued domination and control, and its cheap knockoff world soul is complete disrespect for all beings when it thinks it's okay to splice DNA from one being to another. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't, and I don't have a solution on how to do that just yet. You know, maybe like Morris the cat, the creator just needs me to keep going until I find, uh, you know, single musical notes and, and throw them into the system's notion potion. Um, you know, Father New Year did speak about how effect and cause, effect and cause don't really follow one another, but they form a permanent unity. And like with many, just like with many of eternity, eternity's gifts, um, the effect precedes the cause. And that made me think about the the gifts that the creator has given us and you know, the late the late John Trudeau and I'll I'll put this I'll post this uh talk he did in the description as well. Um, he often spoke about some of the the gifts that we've been given by the creator or, or God or universe or goddess, you know, however you just whatever however you have a relationship with this eternity um you know he talked about the gift of our intelligence and remembering the being in our human being and being able to use our intelligence to think you know to think more and, and believe less and I think that kind of offers um a way to think about how you know we can find those musical notes and toss it into the notion potion, you know, or just not comply with it, you know, just figure out how to live outside in a different story other than the stories that we hear on the news of fear, death, and destruction all the time. Um, and not just the news, there's other places that, you know, like to scare the crap out of people, but, um, and then in school last year, I learned a bit about, uh, harmonics and transient transient frequencies uh, which are frequencies that accompanied a desired frequency so an example of that is the 60 hertz that we use in our home for electricity you know that would be like a desired 
frequency. But then there's other frequencies on top of that that could cause problems and they're called like harmonics or the transient frequencies. Um, so I started thinking about harmonics, but in terms of like the frequencies that the system uses to make us feel depressed, alone, to make us feel bad about ourselves so they can, you know, sell us on stuff or keep us from remembering who we are. Um, and I wondered, you know, what if we found musical notes within our hearts and added them like harmonics, disrupting the system's desired frequency, frequencies of depression and so on, um, and or nurtured our musical notes so that they can help, help us navigate the coming years. Uh, the frequencies and musical notes I speak of are eternity's gifts like love. And I don't just mean romantic love, but I mean like agape love. And, you know, feeling the love from the creator or, or God or goddess or the universe or however you, you know, interact with this eternal energy, you know, feeling that in our hearts because it's never gone. I don't care how many frequencies they throw at us. Like, love is the strongest force in the universe. I, I really think that that's true. I think it, and it's in my heart. I feel it too. Um, so those are just some of the thoughts that I wanted to share, you know, as we bring in this new year together and as we travel through, uh, 2024 together. And I think I'll probably leave it there. I know I've talked long enough now. Um, and like I said, next time for the next show, I'll be back and I'll be talking about, you know, continuing my, continuing my discussion, um, about, uh, B.F. Skinner's book on, uh, Skinner behaviorism and token economics and you know I hope to conclude that over the next few shows um, but I might also do a couple of shows just with topics off the top of my head kind of thing so we'll see maybe I might do like a little bit of both you know something from more of my uh, kind of academic books and then maybe some you know fun stories or some just some interesting thoughts I've had throughout the week or something like that. We'll see. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for stopping by the cafe. I hope uh, tonight's episode gave you some food for thought. Um, and I hope you, ha you all have a blessed week and a loving and heartfelt week. And we'll see you at the, see you next time. So th thanks for stopping by the cafe. Bye-bye.